you're tuned into the All My Friends podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're a repeat listener, thanks for tuning in again. I'm your host, Liam Oliver. And in this episode, I'll be speaking with Long Story Short founder, Simone Kirkup. Storytelling is a tradition as old as time. It's part of what makes us human. We've always shared stories, whether they're on the big screen or with our friends down at the pub. They're a fundamental way in which we communicate and they can be used to start movements, build communities and fight oppression. We should never underestimate the spoken word or the power it has to move people. And that's exactly what we'll be chatting about today with Simone. She'll be sharing why she started Long Story Short, what its mission is, and I'll be asking her why she thinks stories still hold such power over us as individuals and a society. Hopefully I can coax a few fun stories out of her too. And very quickly, before I go any further, if you're new to the podcast, please like and subscribe, whether you're on YouTube or SoundCloud, every thumbs up helps. So, Simone, hello, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, Liam. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm grand, really well. Mm. Um, yeah, this is the first podcast I've done in, in a while, so I'm really excited to chat with you today. And just like, it's just nice. On we're, uh, we're recording on a Monday evening, it's about five past eight, and it is a nice way after like a long Monday, just to have something to look forward to at the end of the day. Um, it's always good just to have chat to people about the interesting things they're doing. So I'm super, super excited to, uh, to chat with you. Oh, absolutely agree. As the resident Natterbox, I love a conversation. So, yeah, I'm yeah. always open to have a good chinwag. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's probably one of the reasons you started a, a story club, isn't it? Absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, so, yeah, it is really lovely to have you on the podcast. Uh, and I am very excited to speak with you today. I thought a good place to start the discussion um, would be by you telling us about, you know, long story short, um, what is it? What's the mission? Uh, how's it growing? You know, everything, you know, where, you know, where did that idea come from? And, you know, what sort of hurdles and interesting things have happened to get it to where it is today? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it started in the midst of the pandemic when we was all sat, you know, in our, in our own homes with only, for me personally, I, I was, actually in isolation with my partner Johnny and Johnny's a very different personality to me and there's only so much you can get from one man um, without seeking conversation elsewhere mm -hmm. and I found um, naturally over the years I'm that type of individual within my own social circles that end up in situations that my friends don't and they always say you've got amazing stories and I felt that I can't be the only one there must be social circles where you know an individual amongst your own friends and family that also tell great stories about how their life kind of unravels. And I thought, particularly in the world that we were in, in 2020 and 2021, we're all pretty much online, but how many of us felt isolated and alone? But yeah, if we brought, you know, people together through true stories that they could relate to, then maybe we can make everyone a little bit more connected. So it was really essentially about connecting the disconnected and, and bringing those stories to life, because I think we live in a society which is is constantly on and you're constantly stimulated by, you know, a reel or a video or YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or whatever that may be. And yet I think the most things that really resonate um, and you only have to look at Netflix for that are, are true stories. Um, you know, the Tinless Windsor, the, you know, the true crime series, 
um, you know, all the best brands are the ones that you can really resonate with, you know, the ethos of what they're trying to do. So we started online and um, we attracted such a crowd. Um, there was over 200 streams from various different people up and down the UK. We had a guy that was out in the North Sea on an oil rig and, um, you know, as far flung as France. And I thought after that first open mic session where I invited a bunch of strangers to talk about the theme that I'd selected, which was coming out, there was five individuals that hadn't, you know, known about Long Story Short, but yet had given a perspective on, on the theme of coming out. And it was such apparent afterwards how varying they were despite having a core undercurrent of a theme. And um, after I did that, there was such a buzz. Um, and I thought, what's, you know, I was gonna do this as a podcast, but my feeling on the matter was, I really wanted to do it with an audience that I could get that immediate reaction with. And a friend of mine was going through some difficult um, things in her life. And she said, you know, you, you should really start to talk about the topics that impact us all, but actually nobody talks about. So things like addiction or things like love and loss and grief and, and you know, the all fundamentals to the growth of humanity. And yet I felt there was kind of a, an almost an opportunity to kind of pass the mic and say, this is normal. Let's, you know, normalize the conversation. So it was that in mind that really, you know, set me off on this path of, of bringing these events to, to Manchester and doing pop-ups all around Manchester just to really... For the fundamental reason is I might go into a pub, which is very different to you, Liam, which is very different to the guy, you know, that stood next to you. And with that, you'll meet very, you know, personalities along the way who have a different perspective on life. And I thought that was brilliant because if you go to the same pub and you do the same night, you'll get the same audience. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I thought with that in mind, I'll do pop-ups and hopefully with that, I'll bring an audience from all over Manchester and thankfully that's worked and um it's grown and grown and i did a show last thursday and quite interesting was a was a girl that performed with me who performed back in Levenshume in july and in the room there was 20 people and in the room last thursday there was over 95 and she'd seen the scale of her social media but to have it you know and to have her feedback and say how far we've grown in such a short you know, amount of time since last June was, yeah, really, really special. Um, so I don't I think what I kind of um, set out for it to be is, is, has happened, but it's also grown into such a, a beautiful community of all walks of life. And um, yeah, it just keeps getting better. Right, amazing. I'm quite interested uh, about what you said there where, um, you know, it, it came together during lockdown. So it was, you know, people were connected but felt isolated uh i don't really want to go on too big of a tangent here about you know maybe like the ills of social media um but how do you sort of reconcile the fact that you you know you came together in a medium which is you know quite isolating um must be quite an interesting sort of uh dichotomy to sort of weigh up like we want to we're all connected but we're isolated so i'm going to connect us together with this platform that's quite isolating bit of a tongue twister um yeah. how, how do you feel about that like yeah, I mean, I think I think social media is amazing in so many senses, but I also think it's not real life. And what I really wanted to do was use that platform to our, to its advantage, but demonstrate that these people live in your community. So, you know, 
use it as a means to connect. And I think as an adult, it's very difficult to form friendships. And, you know, if we can set up an environment where you can hear your local tongue almost and your people in your tribe, then, you know, you're going to be attracted to that. So it's not to say that social media didn't help at all. It absolutely did. But I think what the best experience that I've, I've ever had is those that are, are spontaneous and real and, and that you can relate to. Amazing. Yeah, difficult to form friendships as an adult. I think that's, you know, I started a blog called All My Friends and there is a reason for that. It was very good for me to meet new people around town, but like, you know, I, I went through to great effort to do that. So it's, it's definitely not easy, is it? Like when life starts taking over and like, you know, it's, you know, you know, I think your circle of friends does get smaller as you get older, but like, you know, it can be difficult, you know, to go out and meet new people. Um, that brings me on quite nicely to the next question, um, which is like, who is long story short for? Like, how can people get involved uh, and how do you manage the, the community? You know, how do people go from hearing about you on social media to uh, coming to an event to eventually speaking if they want? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, sure. So, um, <laughs> it's quite ironic that I'm actually awful on social media and I've been very lucky that the large majority of the following that we've gained is through word of mouth. I'll give you an example whereby um, somebody had come to our show back in, in, in June of last year and my neighbour I'd been telling about because again we was kind of in this midst of you know speaking with your neighbours on a regular basis and, and hanging out with them and I was saying I'm, I'm doing this show and he couldn't make that first event, but knew it was, you know, taking place. And, you know, the first event couldn't have gone any better than it did. And it was such a success. And he was on the train going, going to work at Manchester Airport. And he was minding his own business. And there was two girls that were catching up on this train journey. And one said to the other, what did you do this week? And she said, I went to this thing and I can't quite describe what event it is, but it's about storytelling and connection. And uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And, and let me try and describe it to you. And then my neighbor obviously recognized when she said it was long story short. And then it was kind of that full circle of, you know, somebody was, uh, was getting back out into the real world and have found an event, which, which ultimately um, she found her people at. And um, I just thought that's a really organic way to kind of, you know, have this conversation. And long story short, it's just a saying that we all do, right? We all want to tell, you know, the short version of the long tail, but often we go all around the point and don't hit it. Um, and how do people get involved? Through, um, through contacting me mostly on um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. I, I have an inbox, which is often um you know put forward by somebody who's been to the event previously or a storyteller that knows another storyteller who said they would be perfect for that particular theme um and that's probably the one of the biggest drivers but i would say word of mouth equally too I um 30 of my tickets are single sales and i think that says a lot about how comfortable individuals are um within that space and um a lot of the projects that i've been involved with of, of being involved because somebody knows somebody. Um, and I think if we can take a lot of the conversation offline, even if you're not brave enough to stand up and tell a story, but maybe you're relating to that individual topic and being able to take that away and then have that conversation in private, 
then organically it sets up a, um, a domino effect ultimately. Um, so yeah, I don't think I've marketed it very well just because it's not my forte and expertise. And I've been very fortunate that the, the open mic scene and the creative scene here in Manchester is, is incredibly diverse, incredibly di uh, talented. And it's got this pool of um, welcoming, you know, all sorts of individuals from all varying backgrounds, all ages. And um, I think that's the beauty of the open mic space and the community that's been built in Manchester today. Yeah, but that's really amazing. It's so nice to hear something grow so organically. And, you know, you talk then about connections and it's a small world. Just before the podcast, um, we were we we spoke about our mutual uh, friend, Sean, who um, people who know AMF well will know Sean. He's done quite a few bits with us. And then he ended up turning up to a long story short. And I was going to tell Sean about that. And I was going to tell him about this podcast. And then you met him and then he, you told you, him you were going on the podcast. And yeah, it's just a great, lovely, organic way for you know people with like like-minded interests or people who want to connect to come together. Uh, and I think that's wonderful. I think it's really, really amazing. Um, before we go any further, I'd like to do a quick fire too. I always like to do a few quick fire questions. I just think it's nice to sort of uh, mix up the question format a bit and send some quicker things your way. Um, I was hope I was hoping you might be able to share with us uh, like three of your favourite short stories and why they're so special to you. Uh, this can be a mix of you know stories from the events uh, and then also maybe some books you've read. Um, um, just yeah, three sort of things that have really resonated with you, you know, from the from the events you're doing, but also any sort of like literature, really. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with a book that I read over lockdown, and it kind of changed my perspective. And it was a short story called "Who Ate My Cheese," and um, and essentially it's four mice that go daily in search of cheese. And it's a, it's a story whereby one of the mice decide that the cheese is, is fundamentally not being replaced, um, yet we go through a, a natural day of habit. And every time we expect the result to change despite us going through the same process. And one day the, 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 my, uh, the mouse decides to go um, in a different direction within the maze. And many times he was unsuccessful and came home empty handed until one day he found some new cheese. And ultimately, I, I guess the metaphor for the cheese is that we're, we're constantly growing as individuals and, and yet we're, we're body of habit. And, and, and I think because we were in the pandemic and it was really difficult to accept that our, our lives was almost frozen in time, but as soon as you adapt to change and kind of accept that, those ones will be the best ones to kind of, you know, be as content and happy. And it's not to say that every day you win, but don't be afraid of change and going in a different direction. Stay hungry and be bold. And, and I think that was just a really great metaphor for the time um, in our lives, you know, in the pandemic. I think the second one, um, was a was a sports story <clears throat> and it was a it was actually a youtube channel that i fell across accidentally um by <clears throat> hosted and, and led by a guy called ross edgley and for those that don't know ross edgley he's um he's one of these guys that does crazy marathons and um 
almost ultra training of all sorts of different um, kind of uh, adventures, essentially. And he is the first man in history to swim the English Channel all around Great Britain without coming back on board. And, and really, I wasn't interested in it from, in, from a, you know, a fitness or nutrition standpoint, but it was really the story behind it and how he was told that he didn't really have the right physique. Um, he, you know, he was short and, and stocky and, and didn't really have a swimmer's um, body to do that. But yet he had a very strong mind and he had a desire to, to do this and this sense of adventure. Um, and it was really the art of resilience in that kind of period of, of, of going out and seeking it. But he just had a really charming way of kind of connecting his story to humanity and really um, showing at a, a varying scale that um, his, his YouTube series was, was brilliant. And then he released a book about it. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, I love that he was an Englishman. I love that kind of sense of adventure. And I love that he was able to kind of overcome his fears and really just kind of dig in when it really was, you know, the best thing, not only for his mind, but for his body too. Um, and then I guess I, I really struggled with my favorite story because we've had some incredible stories, um, but I'm going to be cheeky and tell you too. Um, so one of my favorite stories was actually one that we did in the virtual setting. And this is when I knew that I was onto something. So the theme was coming out and often with that theme, particularly here in Manchester, you know, we have a very large gay scene and we had a lot of coming out stories, which were brilliant because, you know, we have quite a, a, a gay following and community now. And I think that was almost relatable even back in the first episode. But one of the um, guys who came on, he told a story about how he'd actually um, 12 months area, earlier had lost his job. And with that, he started to spiral um, and spiral quite rapidly into um, drinking quite excessively. And he told this story of being quite an energetic, outgoing individual that used to stand at, at, at the bar, tell stories to strangers. And, and then when the bars closed, he ultimately was left in his apartment um, and had very little um, of friendship and relationships within his own social circle and started to drink quite excessively on his own. Why that related to coming out was he actually tried to commit suicide and he, he told the audience um, that he had gone to the bridge and knew that he was going to take the 722 train and he timed it that he was in this um, kind of state of mind that that was the only option for him. But he also had the sense that he needed to take a, um, a pee before actually jumping for the train because he didn't want anyone to find him with wet pants. So he um, went to take a pee and he actually passed out. Woke up in hospital hours later after a dog water, a dog water found him and then told this story about coming out the other side and how 12 months on, he's now sat on a platform with a stream to 200 uh, of various different strangers scattered around the UK of how he was on the brink of, you know, he's taking his own life and how he's changed it around. 
And it was only in that moment was he able to kind of um, recognize how precious life was. And that once, you know, you actually feel that you're at the end of life, there's so much more to give. And how that, you know, I thought if he can take that theme of coming out, there's probably somebody, especially in that time of the pandemic, that he was um, was also feeling alone, maybe secretly drinking. And um, hopefully by telling that story, he helps somebody. And I, I just love that because I would never have thought from my perspective that would be a coming out story would have got from that particular theme. And the second one is, is much shorter, but it was essentially on one of our first shows and two girls turned up and we do a section within the show that says pass the mic. So it's ultimately done at the very end of the show to, to ask if anybody has been inspired or actually thought about a story that then relates to the theme, but I haven't actually put the name in the hat pre-show. And this girl steps up called Rab and she explained that she was actually on a city break to Manchester with her girlfriend in the audience and they decided to come to an event like this just because it was cheap. Um, and she told the story of actually being, um, the theme was risk and reward. And she said, as an Asian woman, being a lesbian is um, condemned in my society and I have to come up to Manchester and be in a city where I feel welcome. And this is why we're in Manchester today. But, you know, love is worth the risk. And my girlfriend is the best reward I've ever given, you know, I've ever had. And um, I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> I thought it was a really great metaphor for the people of Manchester that, you know, someone has to come up north in order to feel welcome and, and accepted. But I also thought it was incredibly brave. Um, and we had so much reaction from that particular past the mic section that it's something I try and do on, on most of our shows if we have time. It really does sound amazing. Um, it's just, yeah, it must be quite emotional at times. It must be like, it must be quite like a, uh, like a cathartic, almost like a, it almost sounds like a therapy session for these sometimes. Yeah. Was, was, was that, I don't, I don't feel like that was your goal from the beginning, but it seems to have started to occupy this really sort of like lovely space where a community comes together. Um, it's also, I, I really, I really enjoy hearing about like how people take these, um, these topics, which you, you think like coming out, you think would be quite cut and dry in terms of yeah. the type of stories people are telling that and the risk and reward example you gave there. Um, do you often get people really sort of playing with these themes and twisting, tw twisting maybe the wrong word, but like, you know, obviously putting their own spin on them. Um, do you, have you got like, do you get that a lot? And is it really good to see All when the that time. happens? Yeah, all the time. And, and um, yeah, it's funny you say about it being a therapy session, because one of the first reviews I ever had was um, <laughs> quite comical. It was, I, this is kind of partly Britain's Got Talent slash an AA session. And, <laughs> and it's the most, you know, it's the best compliment I can have about Long Story Short, mm. because it's such a roller coaster. And I think that goes down to the, the creative freedom I give the storytellers to, to own the stage in their five minutes on the mic. Um, because this is their narrative. This is their story. And ultimately, you know, we're just the audience, you know, willing to participate in, 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 the, in the true life and, and the way that it kind of unravels. Mm -hmm. And um, 
yeah and we absolutely do and um, we have everything from musicians to drag queens to poets to rappers to spoken word and and to the everyday guy that's you know sat in the crowd the youngest has been 18 the oldest 74 and um i think that's the beauty of of long story short is not too never two shows are the same um, I, I noticed then you mentioned uh, musicians and rappers as well. Now, this is actually quite a curveball considering where we're at in the conversation, but I always need to get in one question about music because, you know, we chat yeah. about everything and all my friends, but we are, we are mainly, mainly I'd say in, in air quotes, a music blog. Um, so it'd just be great to get, um, what have you been listening to recently? Have you been to any gigs now that, you know, things are opening back up? Um, you know, where do you like to go? Have you got any music recommendations? You know, have you been out clubbing or have you been to the Apollo or wherever? You know, what sort of stuff have you been like consuming musically uh, over the past few months and any recommendations for us? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, Manchester's, you know, bread and butter is music, essentially. Um, and for me, I, I love music in all different forms. My my partner, Johnny, who does Long Story Short with us in the background, his um, musical taste is very different to mine and we meet somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we love to do is actually go to open mic nights dedicated mm -hmm. to um, local talent here in Manchester. And they do um, a Farrow and Friends at the Hatch on Oxford Road, which is mm -hmm. amazing. Um, there's, there's a Sunday Sessions in Salford, which is brilliant. Um, and I need to get to more often than I have. Um, in, in, in respect of like more mainstream, I'm, I love a festival. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like there's something about being outdoors with music. And if um, if I can go to one every weekend in the summer, I'm there. Mm -hmm. um, we went to Lost Village last last summer, and we saw um, and one of the standout acts for me was Jada G, mm -hmm. and she was um, she did a set, and it was just insane. It was it it was surrounded by this forest, and there was umbrellas laid out, and the lighting was just on key, and her set was just insane. We're going to um, Tasha Sultana in April, mm -hmm. which I'm really excited about. A friend of mine um, over in Sydney is 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 <clears throat> sorry. A friend of mine over in Sydney is got a finger on the pulse, and she said that she's doing a tour. Check out her album, and I've mm -hmm. just been obsessed. Um, and she's at the Apollo mm -hmm. um, in April. I'm really excited for that. But then on the flip side, we're going to um, a rock orchestra by mm -hmm. String Quartet. Um, at the Halle in Ancoats, um, which I, I've never been to, but as a venue, I'm, I'm quite excited to explore. So, um, yeah, I think for us, it's kind of the essence of storytelling, isn't it? It's in the most natural form. You know, lyrics really resonate with you and, and, and one album can take you back instantly to a, a time in your life of, of pure happiness or, or sadness. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons I, I you know, I introduced um, musicians to the stage because the, the way that they interpret a theme is always very different to a normal everyday storyteller. It's amazing what you said about the Halle. Um, I live around the corner from it and it's one of them places I've walked past and me and my girlfriend yeah, keep saying we, we need to go in and we need to go to watch a concert there. Um, 
maybe like I, I get a feeling that it'd probably be a good place to do a long story short as well. I don't know how big it is inside. Maybe it's too big. I'm not sure. Bit, but it's always good to check it out. And, Absolutely um, it is, yeah. Um, Lost Village was the last festival I went to in 2019. I've yet to go back to any uh, just because of the pandemic, but you don't need to convince me of how good it is because it is brilliant. Like I had such wow. a good time there, just like, you know, floating around the woods. And Jada G is amazing as well. I absolutely love yes. her. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, anyone's listening and they need a festival to go to this summer, go to, go to Lost Village. Lost Village. <laughs> um, I just love that you, you've you got no signal. That really makes you make friends. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, th I think, you know, of course it, it depends on the individual, but you put a drunk individual in a forest with no signal, they've got to connect with another human. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is obviously put on their favorite musician and, and then you've got an instant best friend, haven't you? Mm. Um, and a Lost Village just does that perfectly. It's also got quite a lot of nice, uh, we went to some talks as well, you know, it's like it's a proper, like, it's not just a, it's not just no. a music festival. We did some talks. Well, we tried to get, we, we, we got really hung over to Shoom on a Saturday, which was nice. And <sighs> I, did, I did want to go do the fine dining bit as well, but- um, I did, I did that. Oh, did amazing. you, was it good? Was it like hot yeah, it was there and stuff and, Yeah, Yeah, you know what? I just thought, when was the, you know, this is probably going to go down as going to a Michelin star restaurant with hairy pits, hair on the top of your head, <laughs> but yet you've got glitter all over and you're having, you know, the best time. You can't mm. do that. You can't walk up to a Michelin star restaurant in London and do that. Mm. And um, to do it in that setting is, yeah, is incredible. What they've created in such a short period of time is, um, you know, commendable. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, I'm definitely going back as soon as I can. And I will do that. I will do the food this time as well. Um, let's move on now and talk a bit more about like the power of stories. Uh, this is, we'll sort of get into the main bit of the podcast as it were. Um, so I'm going to start with a really big question. I'm just going to throw it straight at you. Um, but what makes a good story? Oh, good one. Um, I, authenticity. I think, you know, just being yourself. Um, I think when you're trying to be somebody else, it, it really doesn't land very well. Having, a, having an anchor. I think one of the beauties of, of storytelling is that if you can catapult an audience into visualizing exactly what's going on, um, I think is really, really powerful. So, having that kind of imagination and, and enthusiasm for the story um, really sets the tone of how the audience will react. Um, and I think the third thing for me is whether it's funny or sad, own it. Like, you know, just, just really kind of, you know, I, I always say don't practice the story beforehand too much, but know the story well enough that you feel comfortable regaling it you know in a, in a manner which um you cut straight to the point and so um one of the reasons um we do long story short is kind of the premise of it is that you tell it in five in five minutes and people go oh i don't think it's long enough but you really feel it if it's like eight or nine you're like no come on get to the point so just just really perfect it no, really understand like you know the beginning the middle and the end and what that goal is um but be descriptive be yourself and add personality to it because those ones are the ones that land and those ones are the ones that get the best reaction 
Mm-hmm. Amazing what you said about don't practice it too much as well. I, I, so are people, do people tend to ad lib quite a lot of the sessions or is it, do, do a lot of people turn up very like, you know, I, I'd say notes and paper, but now I imagine it's an iPhone out, isn't it? But do you try and discourage that and let people go, you know, flow a bit more? Like how, how does that work? Um, it's no, I don't, I don't micromanage it because I think there's a certain bravery to stepping up and, mm-hmm. and doing public speaking. Mm-hmm. So if they need an iPhone or they need a pen and pa- uh, paper and they're reading from their diary, then I know I say, I welcome it, come mm-hmm. forward, mm-hmm. but just don't stand there like this mm-hmm. because, you know, you're not here at the, you know, at the front of the church, you know, yeah. ultimately reading a reading. Um, I, I think, it, it goes down to body language, doesn't it? And it goes down to eye contact. And it's knowing the story well enough that you feel comfortable, but equally having the confidence to know that this, the actual audience doesn't know what the story is. Mm. So they're not going to judge you on something that they actually don't know how it's going to end. So if you, um, if you, uh, oh, what's the word? Improv, you know, like if you just kind of, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, <laughs> there's a saying that my boyfriend tells me all the time and he's like don't let the truth get in the way of a good story mm-hmm. and he says he says this in the manner that says it's based on true stories but if you exaggerate the truth a little bit just to make it a more of a performance yeah of course we welcome that because ultimately it's entertainment that we're doing as a show um so yeah just you know <laughs> add a bit of flair add a bit of personality and there was a girl that actually um stood up on thursday and to look at her she is she's an incredible incredibly confident woman but she was shaking like a leaf and um she stood up and 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 she kind of um shaped herself and she was like i'm a bad bitch i'm a bad bitch i'm a bad bitch <laughs> but the audience got on side with her because it was kind of, it's the kind of that setting where she was real. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're, you're trying to hide that, people see right through it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think most people recognize that standing up in front of an audience of, of 50 plus people is daunting and, and sharing something that is often personal is adds an element, you know, of, of, of extra fright that, it's so easy to sit in an audience and say, actually, I could do that, but most people can't. Um, so I always champion the brave. I always champion the people that I say, you know what, I've got a story to share and this is who I am. And, and these are the, this is my story. Um, and I think, I, I think when you do that, I think when you're kind of comfortable in who you are as a, as a storyteller and you've got, you've got no, um, uh, preconceptions then yeah you go in wholeheartedly and and you go you go full on yeah so you've, you've really sort of highlighted there like the power of stories and like you know why 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 they're so powerful and i just wanted to know like why do you think uh as a society you know we still like put so much value into them and like what makes us as people you know want to sit down and listen to a good story why is it such they're still just, they, they grip us so much and bring us together. You know, in, from your opinion, why, why do you think that is? I think as a human race, we're always wanting to find our tribe. 
you know if you take yourself I wonder what, whether you can think about yourself as an 11 year old boy going to primary school and leaving that but yet going to a secondary school that not all your friends continue on to and you know then you move to a city for university and again you're starting over but often you find a, a subculture within a culture that you're really just trying to find your people. You're really trying to find those brands that really resonate with you from either from an ethics or a moral, or, you know, or you actually just get them as individuals. You know, we meet hundreds, if not thousands of people in our lifetime. And yet we can probably, you know, count on our five fingers how many of them were instant spark. And yet we're often, you know, craving that, that feeling of emotion which is often temporary um, but when you find that and and someone describes a story that might not have actually mirror for mirror happened to you but you understand that feeling of emotion that they're describing you're like oh my god that that could have happened to me that really resonates or you know I can really understand why they feel that way and um, I think as, as humans, we're all looking for our people. And I think that's why we crave it so much, is that we're, we're, you know, a pride of people that really want to be part of something. And we, we all don't really know what that something is, mm -hmm. but we don't wish to be isolated. We wish to be surrounded by people that fundamentally understand you as a human. Amazing. That leads me on really well to my next question, um, which is, you know, do you think storytelling can overcome any boundaries? Do you have any examples from Long Story Short you can share with us where, you know, stories have helped bridge divides uh, or grow communities and friendships? And I think from our conversation, we can already see the community that is growing. But, you know, friendships or have, have people come together maybe from like the different sides of the political spectrum at Long Story Short and, you know, realize that, you know, we've got more in common and, and you know any any interesting sort of things like that you can share yeah so i i think the the platform of long story short is really about one core theme and showing that regardless of our differences we were also very similar mm -hmm. and i think only on the um on the themes which are probably a little bit more heavy hitting that we did which was love and loss addiction even um, our recent one in February, which was sex, self-love and dating, all of them have this car fundamental where particularly the addiction, we, we included a local charity, Turning Point. And, and that charity has been in our city for probably about 20, 30 years. And, and, and you would say they're very local working class individuals and they probably wouldn't hang out in the northern quarter but yet we had a room full of individuals that spoke about addiction not from a, an alcoholic or drug perspective but also from a social media right through to plastic surgery and even questioning whether addiction is a choice mm -hmm. and and the amount of people that were sat in that audience that then went on to volunteer at that particular charity but yet their paths would never have crossed if it wasn't for that particular night. I thought it was brilliant because you've got a lot of people that they call Manchester their home, but yet they've got no real connection to this city. And um, I think if we can break down subcultures and we can actually, you know, cross paths and hopefully learn 
you know, from one another and 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 give what everybody's got in in, in a lot of respects. And, and and to some degree, that's time. We've all got varying degrees of time. And if we can offer someone, you know, just 10 minutes of our time to have a conversation and um, you know, just sit with somebody else and enjoy something, I think it's brilliant. I think I said earlier on is that. 30% of my tickets are actual single sales and I had a call um I did a dm in my inbox on Friday from the show last Thursday to say I came on my own last week and I just wanted to say that I connected with this girl that was also on her own and um I'm really thankful because I felt comfortable sitting within your space but actually knowing that somebody else is in a similar and we've you know we've now connected offline on in you know on Instagram and hopefully that will develop we also had people that went dating from our shows so we had um yeah we did a speed dating session because um i felt that again you know connecting uh, with friendships or relationships as adults is very difficult because there's so much choice and you know there's very little thought and there's so much competition that actually if you sit down and have a conversation with someone immediately you know whether there's an instant spark and I was absolutely delighted when we had um six people three couples that went on second dates sadly none of them worked out but we had we had other stories that you know came out of that and um I thought that was brilliant you know that's something I never really you know really looked for when I first started this but um there's been a, there's been varying degrees of, of ripples across our communities and um, you know from a political standpoint I think we get a lot of spoken word um, which are quite liberal and, and very forthcoming in, in the way that they um, they talk about it through their poetry but there was also a guy that um, he was in his 50s actually and he emailed me after the show and said it was so it was so great to see the energy of the youth talking about politics in such a creative manner that even though he was conservative, he really respected what we were doing and the platform that we were giving for, you know, for something as, I guess, as conflicting as politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Politics is just an example of. I don't want to draw yeah. into a big political debate here. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Don't mention that. Don't mention religion. Jeez, Liam, come on. <laughs> oh no, I never do. Um, yeah, um, but I think that's like a really nice place, you know, to wrap up the conversation. Uh, it's just amazing to hear about, you know, all the all the amazing sort of insights and community that Long Story Short is building. Um, I just want to say thanks for chatting with me today. Um, I've had a great time. Um, and I always like to wrap up uh, by asking guests, you know, what, what is on the horizon? So what's coming next to Long Story Short? What events are in the calendar? Where can we come to see you next? Um, and again, if people are looking to get involved, maybe speak, um, how can they do that? Sure. So we are the first Thursday of every month. Our next event is um, in collaboration with Manchester Literature Festival. Um, the storyteller slots have already been taken, but tickets are now on sale and it's on Saturday, the 2nd of April. It's a brilliant collaboration for um, youth writers for the audience of 16 to 25, but anyone can come. 
um, but it's really about um, showcasing literature um, for everybody and, and making it accessible um, in all forms and all manners, all creative manners. So that's our next event. And then in June, we're running um, a long story short, first birthday party with a special event to um, celebrate our first year doing events across the city. Um, that'll be on the 10th of June at Grub um, near Victoria at the, at the brilliant Chapeltown Picture House. So if they wish to get involved, um, please contact me on Instagram or send me an email at longstoryshortmanchester.gmail.com but it's been an absolute pleasure, Liam. Um, thank you so much. Um, it's great to be a friend of all my friends, Manchester. Thanks for giving us the platform. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Anytime, anytime at all. Um, for anyone listening, uh, ticket links we'll put in the show notes along with the uh, books you mentioned in the YouTube channel uh, and also um, emails and Instagram handles and stuff. So we'll pop all of them in there. So you should be able to find all contact information there. Uh, and I'd like to say uh, thank you to you, Simone, for coming on the show. Uh, it's been real fun. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, please don't get to like and subscribe. Uh, so until next time, I'll see you again. And thank you again, Simone. Bye-bye.